Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 194 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracool. And here we are again, Jacob. Yeah, we're back. We made it. <laughs> we're back together. Yeah, the team is here. Yeah, it's oh, it, there's a whole bunch of stuff been going on lately. So happy to be back behind the uh, thing here for you and helping everybody get some book recommendations. Yeah, so eventually. I was out of town for a couple weeks. It was... It was glorious. Oh, I, you were showing me some of the pictures. It sound, it looks and sounds like it was fantastic. <sighs> yeah, so we went to California. We went to Yosemite, Sequoia, Kings Canyon National Park, and then down to Death Valley and Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, how many times did you have to listen to you 2 on the way down there? And how many families of killer mutated cannibals did you have to fight <gasps> when you were going we to We did Death listen to... Like three songs of Joshua Tree of one time we had to. And then I was like, I don't think I ever listened to this whole album. I think I listened to the first three songs and I was like, I think I got it. Yeah, like, we're, that's we're good. good. It's, it's, a, it's a U2 song. Um, but it, it, was, it, was a, it was tough dichotomy of walking all day in the desert and feeling really at peace and enjoying nature and feeling kind of separate from things and then getting service later and just being bombarded with like the worst news that I could possibly read. So mm. that was... Yeah. That was a really confusing and terrible feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, at least, you know, you got something good out of that experience you're going to remember. Everybody else is going to have kind of a different view of it. But I know that feels weird, too, though. So that was that was really sad. I would I would like talk to friends and I'd be like, well, we were purposely just not telling you anything because we wanted you to have just two weeks in this human existence of not feeling terrible. Um, so it, a little it almost, mixed, almost, but wor- almost worked. <laughs> it, it almost worked. <laughs> but I, I will say that being in the desert, like it's so stark. It's, it's just beautiful. Like it hit me in a way that I wasn't really anticipating. I had been in desert before and was like, this is lovely. But I don't know. The, the West Coast desert is definitely very different. It's just you're just driving through sand, but mountains oh, it's, it's and then a, weird trees pop up. Well, it's a legit desert out there. Like it's not like one of these play East Coast deserts. That's a, oh, it's yeah, a no, the that's, real deal desert out there. That's a real deal. There's snakes and lizards and cactuses that may or may not have water in them. That's no, everything you need. I also saw a road runner what? running across the road. Did you really? <laughs> yes. Was, was there a coyote after? Him? There was not. Road runners are much smaller than they depicted in our youth. <laughs> Were you uh, a little cautious every time you guys went through a tunnel through a mountain and you're like, wait a minute. A little bit of something's going to. You're like, we're going to go. We're going to take the long way. We're going to go around. Yeah. We saw a bear. We saw a bobcat. That was really cute. That'd be kind of cute. Like, did you didn't try to pet him, of course. Nope. I'm not a (laughs) dum-dum. But uh, yeah, it was great. You like that video of that lady who's like screaming at the bear to like stop attacking her boat? I just oh, I don't know what people are up to. It's fantastic. I'll show that to you later. You'll love it. <laughs> when I was visiting um, my friends in California, the oh, it was a Jen and Brad. <laughs> yeah, Stop ex- exactly them. Um, it's funny because her name is Jen. But anyway, uh-huh, um, her husband was talking about how he was visiting people in Kentucky, I believe, and he had sent video of a bear that just like opened their kitchen window. And came in How's it and going? like and like his wife and kid were home or something and they were like oh like the someone's home like in the kitchen let's go visit and they were like nope nope, nope that's, that's a bear <laughs> so he's like what's up with this condiment storage what the heck who puts who puts honey in the fridge you're killing me over <laughs> yeah. here yeah 
Yeah. How's it supposed to get out of the jar? We saw a bear, I think, that was in Sequoia National Park, which is us, those trees. I could go on forever. I'm not going to. They're just, like, insane, though. No, they're huge. They're, like, almost 3,000 years old, some of them, and they're just so huge. You're like, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this. I can imagine. This tree (laughs) that has just been here for so long. Like, this tree is literally longer than anything I've ever seen before in my life, and I'm standing next to it. I mean, you could think of all these historical people throughout time and you're like they could have walked here yeah lewis and, and clark them. was like look at the size of this tree what's going on and like here? theodore roosevelt was probably like this is a dope tree i like it a lot yeah he's like bully bully big tree <laughs> yes bully big tree Ke- calvin coolidge was like what's a tree also i'm really um interested when i was reading a book about him how often the word dude comes up i did not know that was a word back then they're I, always like he's i don't know about this dude and I'm like, what? I, I love that idea. I like. I would like the idea that I'm actually speaking more proper English it by my use like of dude. Something specific, but they just say dude a lot. But anyway, um, because I just want to pretend that I'm still in the desert, Jacob has agreed to talk about some desert books and films today. The greats. Is, we're only going to talk about the greats here on the show. Once we get to our choices, you're going to see okay. exactly what we're talking about. Mine are the greats. Uh, that makes me very, very nervous. We have some of the great thespians of all time are going to be <laughs> oh, talked about on this episode let me tell you oh speaking of bummer about ray liotta yeah that came out of nowhere huh it came out of nowhere and no one really talked about it because in the level of horrific events it was lower than some which is crazy because it's still a person dying yeah (laughs) it's not saying good things about our time i don't want to say no but now more some deaths are more important but you know ray liotta is pretty Pretty big name a lot of people's eyes. I did end up watching Goodfellas lately. Still a very good movie. Don't know how Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture over that or whatever. Fried Green Tomatoes yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they make weird decisions Whatever sometimes. boring Southern movie may, won the Oscar that year for Best Picture. I mean, Picture. Goodfellas is a tough one. So bummer about Ray. Maybe we'll talk about him at some point. But let's get into our desert movies. So the first one, <clears throat> a lot of them are books that became movies. So the first one, the book is called Tracks, a woman's solo trek across 1,700 miles of Australian outback by Robin Davidson. Um, it's a really unforgettably powerful book, and I'm going to kind of describe the film more okay. for people, a little more accessible. So the film is called Tracks, and just accompanied by her faithful dog and four camels, um, an Australian woman who's played by Mia Wysakowska. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah, there she's you go. great, That's a hard too. last name. Yeah, she satisfies her craving for solitude by embarking on a solo trip across the desert from Alice Springs to the Indian Ocean. Um, and it's a really incredible and kind of harrowing adventure um, and a really uncompromising, tough character study. So it tells the story, like I said, of Robin Davidson, who wrote the book. And it kind of starts in the mid-'70s. And she's describing her disenchantment with society and of other people and how she's tired of just suffering from the depredations visited upon, quote unquote, her sex in class. Okay. Like things are not great for her. And she simply just wants to be alone with some camels and a dog. And I mean, don't we all? I mean, that sounds great. Truly don't we all. But of course, nobody makes it easy for her. She has to learn to train her camels. Um She's on the edge of the Australian outback, and she interact interacts with like several hostile characters, hostile animals, before she kind of gets her whole crew together. Um, once she does, she's like, oh, you know what I need? I need money. I have like yeah. no money to make this happen. So she pitches this chronicle of her journey to National Geographic magazine, and they go for it. The only catch is that they want a photographer to kind of drop in periodically to take 
pictures of her for sure. the magazine, which kind of interrupts her solitude, her whole goal. But, you know, and along the way, she really defines her own idea of freedom and making her own existence a manifestation um, of her kind of radical philosophy, which I really love. So I thought it was a really great movie and maybe what it lacks in excitement for people because it's kind of just a slow burn. She's walking across the desert. It's a character study, man. Yeah, and it really makes up for it with gorgeous cinematography and Mia Wysokowska's outstanding performance. I think she's great. That does sound pretty cool. That's like uh, what that uh, Into the Wild. It's kind of like the desert version of that one. Absolutely. I downloaded that was my plane movie and it is it's always moving. I did not know that they had camels in Australia. That's a new one. Yes. Though. How many horns and how many uh, fire-breathing tongues do the camels <laughs> yeah, in Australia have? It was really interesting. I feel like they were almost like a more whitish color. Well. But yeah, well, camels in Australia. You learn something go. new every day, man. That's like if when there's I... desert, there's camels. All right. Well. Not, yeah. See? So check out tracks <laughs> and check out the book. And now I, I thought I only had to dodge myself. kangaroos, and I only, now I got to dodge camels in Australia. That's crazy, like buff kangaroos. Yeah. <laughs> Look like they've been bench pressing. <laughs> Let's go, bro. What do you want to do? <laughs> All right. So, so I'm going to go uh, with a modern classic here, mm-hmm. starring some of the great actors of our time: Mr. Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, and the guy from Family Ties. We're going with the first one, 1990s Tremors. Are you oh, a fan of Tremors, Michelle? I know you are. I've never seen Tremors. What? How have you never? Oh, my God. Well, the first thing I know now about Tremors is I guess it takes place in a desert. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're, we're going to have to have a fight after this movie. <laughs> there is like eight of these movies and uh, a couple TV Tremors. shows. They're, okay. they're still bringing them out, man. So if you do not know what Tremors is and you're like Michelle, somehow don't know. <laughs> hey. The natives of a small isolated town in Nevada find themselves under attack by a bunch of subterranean <laughs> gigantic worms that are attracted to sound. It sounds like Dune. It's they a, ripped off Dune? Uh, smaller scale, like less, uh, there's not as much money obviously playing. Okay. But surprisingly, uh, the Graboids, as they are called. Graboids? Graboids. Oh, you heard that correctly. Uh, I wish I didn't. Are actually pretty pretty good looking when they're on screen. Okay. The monster's pretty cool. The first one, uh, you know, it's a survival tale. Who, like, nobody expects to see giant worms coming out of the ground trying to eat you, but you know what? It happens in force in this it, movie. It would, be, it would be shocking. This is one of those, like, Fox TV 2 o'clock afternoon ones where you can just be, sit back, watch a stupid creature feature, um, and just relax for an hour. These and are half. your favorite afternoons. Oh, they're fantastic! You got Reba McIntyre uh, running around in here. Reba? Yeah, she's married to the dad from Family Ties, and they are like <laughs> some gun nuts that are trying to shoot the ground to fight these monsters. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I feel so like our, our our personalities are just so clearly defined on this show. It's pretty easy to tell. Like <laughs> you can tell who's doing the who's going to make the Oscar nominations <laughs> and who's going to work the Razzies every year. Oh gosh. Um. But yeah, if you're looking for a good creature feature, just uh, turn your brain off popcorn. I movie. would think about that. The first, first one, two, three, first three actually are all pretty good. Okay. And after that, it gets a little dicey. All I want to do is turn my brain off. Oh, then Tremors is I'll where it's at, it man. You'll love it. All right. The next one, the book is called The Long Walk, The True Story of a Trek to Freedom by Slavomir Rowitz. Um I'm going to say that this is one of the most amazing heroic stories of this time or any other time. Okay. This thing is wild. So they adapted it into a film called The Way Back. Um, So we have Janus, played by Jim Sturgis. Remember him? He was in stuff I do remember him, actually. 
So he's denounced by his wife as a possible spy in 1939, and he finds himself in a remote Siberian labor camp. Not where you want to be. No. Not where you want to be now. Definitely not where you want to be in 1939. Nope. So he's faced with these brutal conditions inside and out, and he's determined to escape. So a blizzard comes up, and it provides him with the perfect opportunity, and he and a small group of fellow prisoners make a break for it. Okay. However, escape is literally the easiest part (laughs) of this thing um, because they now face a 4,000-mile trek on foot through the frozen Himalayas and continue to cross Mongolia in the Gobi Desert, ending eventually in India where they do make it. Mm, That's impressive, because no thank you. At every moment of this, it's astonishing. Mongolia itself is said to be a prison because nobody was able to even walk out of the country. So like, we don't even need prisons. You just can't be getting out of Mongolia. They probably didn't even lock the doors. Why would they be like, go wherever you want? Starvation was daily possibility. So were injuries, disease, death by exposure, if they were captured by locals, because there was obviously a reward on them. Um, and I mean, thirst and sun are super fatal in the desert, yeah. which is wild. Like I drank so much water on this trip and I knew it wasn't even enough water. Like you'd get a little loopy. I'd be like, the veins in my hands are like sticking out. Like you're just constantly dehydrated, you know? You're, um, you're probably looking shredded though by the end of that trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got a great tan though. But the travelers, they've only the clothes on their back. Um, but like I said, some of them did reach India. That's kind of how the movie opens, so it's not like a spoiler. And obviously, a book was written. Um, I will say about the film, it's not as emotionally involving as it should be. Okay. Um, But it's really epic. It offers, like, there's just sweeping ambition. There are strong performances. It's obviously really grand visual spectacle, which um, I always appreciate. So it's worth checking out. All right, I, like I really liked the book too. Four thousand miles, goodness. Four thousand miles. No, no, thank you. No, I'm on good. That one. Like, no, I'm, I'm good. Mm, Siberian no. prison camp. That tells you how bad it is. Yes, yeah, Siberian prison camp. If you're willing camp. to do that. Yeah, if you're gonna walk away from that one, and yeah, just no, all of that. No, all thank that's you. a no. No, but thank you. <laughs> like I'll just sit here. I'll, I'll you know. <laughs> I guess I die now. <laughs> I'll look. For, I'll look for the empty man while I'm up here, and maybe something <laughs> cool will happen. <laughs> all right. All right. So next one, uh, I'm gonna give. We're going to the future. Our future, not just the movie future. Okay. We're going to go with 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Heck yeah. I, every time we bring movies. up this movie on the show, I'm not I'm not sad about it. I have Me and Michelle saw this movie together in theaters, and I have not seen somebody both laugh <laughs> and shake their head in the same time in ridiculousness and, and awe. And want to clap. <laughs> when a uh, flamethrower bass guy shows up, that is just the we were really happy. cinematic moment of the year. Simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, right? Oh, my goodness. Take me back. Uh, but if you don't know what it is, it's a Mad Max movie. So you're about fighting a bunch of uh, iron or like leather clad gentlemen on mul- multiple who, awesome cars. Who doesn't wear leather in the desert? I mean, it seems like the most <laughs> obvious thing. It, it's, if one thing leather's known for, it's his heat dissipation and it does not retain, uh, you know, humidity at all. Uh, so it's kind of an extremely easy plot. It's basically we're going to spend an hour going that way. And then we're going to spend the next hour going that way. It's basically all the movie is. That's literally it. But That's awesome. <laughs> in the simplicity. Some nuance in there. But. This movie was up for 10. 10 Academy Awards. One six was up for Best P- 
Picture, Best Actress, and Best Director. It, it that was is beautiful. Such a good movie. It, it was beautiful looking too. They took forever to make it. It is just probably one of the best, if not the best action movie that's come out in the last like 10 years. It doesn't stop. There's like a couple scenes where you're like, hey, go to the bathroom, go grab some popcorn, come back because we're about to start smashing people in a mountain. Um, like mountainsides and all that. Witness me. Oh it, my God. It, it does a really good job of showing like the torment of the desert too. Yeah. The Mad Max world, if case you don't know, is one of the worst, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic futures. Like this whole movie takes place in the ocean, but there's no water at all around them. So, yeah. you know, go figure out that's got to be. Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron notoriously hate each other from this movie. But wow. they have there's such a good chemistry while on screen. It happens. Oh, I just want to go watch this movie again. It's so good, dude. Yeah, that's, so that's a good choice. Fun. Look at that. <laughs> this is this oh, this is smiling. The first ten minutes of this movie, you're yeah. like, that's great. We yeah. love it so much. You know, it's crazy you said that because in Death Valley, mm-hmm. there's this bad water basin, and the whole thing is salt because at one point, it was just a big old body of water, and now it is gone. And it's crazy. It's the lowest point in America. It's 282 feet below sea level. So that just shows you like how huge this body of water was that's gone. It's totally I, uh, wild. If the you know late eighties uh, horror movie Warlock told me anything as well, <laughs> they're also they buried the grand grimoire under there because as everybody oh. knows, witches can't go over salt, so that's where you hide it. See, constantly learning from mm-hmm. you. That's right, everybody. I am if, constantly if ha- learning. If you have to say uh, hide an apocalypse book from a witch. <laughs> Uh, buried in sand you'll, or buried in salt you'll be good all right um i'm gonna mention one another book movie and i think we both loved this so much the martian by andy weir oh yes that one i actually a book i read in like two days and that's I mean, not my usual thing that book is designed to be devoured like candy oh yeah every that's, part that's of it is written it is. for that it was nominated as one of america's best loved novels by that pbs great read america um lo- i love the book I love the book so much, and I also love the film. So the film, you are not going to find a space epic that is more fun to geek out at no, than The Martian. Not. No, So Ridley Scott actually did a good job for once. Ridley Scott killed it here. So after only 18 souls, a soul is a day in Martian speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, And a NASA botanist, Mark Watney, who's played by Matt Damon, Matt has Damon. been left for dead on the red planet. So his crew, including we got Michael Penna, um, Kate Just, Mara, Jessica Chastain in there. Maybe? Sebastian, well, yes, Sebastian Stan, and then I forgot the no- about Sebastian Stan. Actually, yeah. oh boy, the noble lead of Jessica Chastain. They believe that he died in this freak dust storm. His spacesuit and his torso, torso were punctured by a flying antenna. So they're like, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, that- so they leave. They abort the mission. They head back to Earth, where Watney. He's really mourned as a martyr. This poor guy died on Mars. Right. Then there's some satellite photos reveal that Watney is still alive and is using botany and ingenuity to survive. I mean, this guy's growing potatoes in, you he, know, he's growing potatoes the like fertilizer that you are, weren't anticipating. Um, he's just kind of sciencing the, I'll say, heck out of everything. Um, and his plight is that he needs to stay alive for four years because that's how long it will take to land a rescue mission that his crewmates are hatching 
Um, even though he has enough food for one month. Yeah. So you so do the math on that a, one. It's kind of stretching it a little bit. Stretching uh. it a little bit. This movie, it's smart. It's thrilling. It's surprisingly funny. It's never dull. It's very sciencey. Uh, it's sciencey, but in a great way. Like yeah. I remember with the book, I was like, there's so much science and I'm so entertained. Yeah. And I'm also like, I would be doomed in this scenario because I wouldn't even know where to begin. Well, no, but you're not a NASA botanist. Well, that's so that's okay. <laughs> if I was chosen to be the botanist for a trip to Mars, there's a couple of problems that happened. On They've the way. made bad decisions already there, but okay, bud, what you got next? All right, so we're going to go from a couple of the greats of all time in cinema with Ridley Scott and Matt Damon, and we're going to okay. jump right over to uh, Pauly Shore and Andy Dick with 1994's no. In the Army Now. No. I know that this is, I know you're a Pauly Shore fan. I mentioned this, and your head almost exploded, so I knew you were read all about it. Uh, have you seen uh, In the Army Now? No. Is, this, is this one of your Polly Shore? Oh, of course, expertise? I haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> it stars Polly Shore, Andy Dick, uh, David Allen Greer, and Lori Petty. All of these people. You probably do. It's it's a definitely sea level even for the mid '90s. But you know, what are you going to expect? Uh, so, give me stop me when you when you heard this, Polly no, Shore. I'd stop you now if I could. Polly Shore and Andy Dick are playing your usual losers uh, who are having trouble getting money, keeping jobs, and keeping their girlfriends. Big shocker there, I know, Ew, right? Oh, Andy Dick would never even have a girlfriend. I don't we, believe that. I, we do not need to talk about Andy Dick more than, but he, in this one it is. He's the straight man in this movie, so that tells you where we're at. Oh, that's too much. So basically what it is is these two geniuses, after getting fired again, decide, hey, you know what's a good way to make some extra money? We're going to join the Army Reserves. So why wouldn't you do that? Mm. So they decide, hey, what's the least likely thing to get called up for in the Army Reserves? Water purification. It's not like there's any conflicts going on in the Middle East or anything like that in <laughs> deserts. And predictably, once they graduate somehow through basic training, there's an outbreak of, an, of a conflict in Chad. And guess who gets called up? I just first? am falling asleep. Yeah. I hate this. This is, oh, my God. So many Pauly Shore shenanigans are going on here. If it's, uh, I've seen this movie way too many times. I'll put it to you that way. It's still a fun, stupid little watch if you're just looking to, you know, another zone out, but not actually watch a good movie unlike Tremors. So if you are a Pauly Shore fan, an Andy Dick curiosity, or a Laurie Petty completionist, just go ahead and check this one out. <laughs> if you're a Laurie Petty completionist, once you get stop. Pa- once you get past <laughs> Tank Girl and uh, Orange Is the New Black, it, it's getting a little barren out there. Oh, she was in that <laughs> new uh, Station Eleven TV show. Was she really? That was a good show. I didn't watch that one. I remember it was on. Oh, you should. It was, it was excellent. Yeah. Well, super think, excellent. It, it's over now, so maybe. All right, let's out. get to, back to some super highbrow films here. Um, the English Patient. Oh, I got my pinky went up a little bit just. Yeah. So the, we got the sweeping expanses of the Sahara. Um, that's the setting for this very passionate love affair and the adaptation of Michael Andache. I think is the author's name. I'm not positive. This is a very famous novel. Okay. People loved the novel. It is. And then they loved the movie. They um, did. They made a whole Seinfeld episode about it. I know, I love that. <laughs> but it circles down through layers of mystery until all of the puzzles in the story have been solved. And then we just have some doomed love that remains beautiful. So the film opens. We have a pre-war biplane flying above the desert. It's carrying two passengers in its open cockpits. And then the film will tell us who these people are in the plane, why they're on the plane, and what happens next. All of the rest of the story is prologue and then epilogue for the reasons for this flight. So it's an interesting premise of how to start it. Um, But we have a really badly burned man 
who's played by Ralph Fiennes. And he's, they love throwing Ray Fiennes in like. Oh, that's right. Over. I always say his name. I'm so Ra- used to- Ralph Rafe. Who cares? But it's, it's one Rafe. Of those. I can't ever remember that. Rafe Fiennes. They are always throwing makeup on that poor guy. Like we don't like your face. Here, we're gonna take your nose away. We're gonna throw burns. They on do. You. He loves that too. But he's being tended by this nurse, who's played by Juliette Binoche, um, in an Italian monastery near the end of World War II. And his past is revealed through flashbacks involving this married English woman, played by Kristen Scott Thomas. I really love her. And his work mapping the African landscape, and then she's, you know, the nurse is healing her own scars by, by helping him, the whole thing. It's really, it's a powerful movie. It's like the kind of movie that you see twice, because first it's like for the questions, and the mm-hmm. second time is for the answers. It is long. Oh, it's long. But I think it's powerful and moving. Uh, it's a good movie, actually. It, no, you know what yes. it is? English Patient is one of those movies that you watch it. Or when you get ready to watch it, you dread it because you hear, oh, it's going to be a boring, the name of the yeah. movie is English. But you watch it and like, there's people dying in this movie. There's, it's a war movie. There's, there's a lot going All on. sorts of like violence. I think I on. remember an extremely disturbing scene, though. Oh, I can't remember. It's been about Maybe Rafe years. has some. Oh, I'm sure Rafe finds is always up to some romantic moments with a lady who's. I'm sure they're oh, oh. not breathing a ton. We'll we'll talk about that later. Well, I have that's sketchy a, memory. It's a G-rated ca- podcast here. We can't get into the weeds too <gasps> much. On some w- weird stuff, patient. but the English patient patient definitely worth seeing. All right, all right. we're running low. Give us another uh, at least. It, I have so many more. I'm I so know, bummed. Right? I never get through them all. Uh, bust out some quick ones here. Uh, of course, go see Dune if you haven't already. The new one. Yes, we have a whole episode on Dune. We yeah. really like. Go it. check that one out. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, another classic. Go check that one out. You know, I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia. Really? Is that wild? It is kind of wild. I'm surprised you didn't. You should have made that your movie going to the desert because that would have been like directly what you were doing, just wandering about the desert. I think I saw parts of it before and I was like, ooh, I'm not really like taken by this. Well, it's what is it now? 60 year old movie? No, 60. Oh my God. 60 year old movie. So it's understandable. You you can just go unite the Arab lands yourself and then you'll basically live in it. Um, 1999's The Mummy. Avoid the Tom Cruise one like The Plague, but go check out that Brendan Fraser one. Never seen those either. I've heard they're fun, though. The first two are fun. Don't watch that All right, third one. just do one more. We got to save it for another the, desert uh, episode. Uh, oh, speaking of Australia, go watch Wolf Creek. See another thing besides uh, camels to avoid, serial killers over by some big, uh, <laughs> some big rock go. formations that are going to hunt you down. Uh, go, go get some warnings. Go check out Wolf Creek. It's a good one. Okay. Um, I want to mention, we'll put a foreign film in here, the film Thebe. You ever heard of Thebe? Uh, no, I have it's not. It's good, but you know, it's one of those foreign films one, that you're one like, of those. oh, I want to cry all day. So it takes place, it's 1916. While war is raging in the Ottoman Empire, Hussein raises his younger brother, Thebe, which means wolf. He's real cute. Oh, see, look at that. I know Thebish. <laughs> in a traditional Bedouin community that is really isolated by the vast and unforgiving desert. So the brother's quiet existence is suddenly interrupted when a British army officer and his guide ask Hussein to escort them to a water well, which is located along the old pilgrimage route to Mecca. Okay. And, like, they don't want to dishonor their recently deceased father, who was very, like, you have to, like, take care of people that come to you and host. Sure. So Hussein agrees to lead them on this long and treacherous journey, and he does not want to bring his little brother, Thebe. But, of course, Thebe secretly chases after them, and after a day, he, they find him, and they're like, well, Thebe is with us 
now. But then the whole group finds themselves trapped amidst this threatening terrain, and then it's riddled with Ottoman mercenaries, Arab revolutionaries, and outcast Bedouin raiders. It's not like a, it's not the most no. comfortable place to be. It sounds quite awful, to be honest with you. There's a lot that happens. Um, it does get really emotional. It's kind of like an inversion of Lawrence of Arabia because it's a film that's told from the perspective of Arab Bedouins rather than colonial adventurers. Okay. So they're like, who's this white dude coming over the thing here telling us we all need to team up? <laughs> Correct. Things like that. And, and a lot happens. and You kind of get a better understanding of the time. This was nominated for a Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. It oh. didn't win, but it's... Definitely worth checking out. I really, I really loved Phoebe, the the little boy actor in it. He's wonderful. You gotta love when they have good little kid actors. It always, it always elevates a movie. It sure does. Um, and then I'm gonna save my other ones for maybe a future desert episode if we don't. But uh, no, I just have to mention. Just go see There Will Be Blood. Oh, of course. If you somehow haven't, it's one for the ages. Um, you can go. You're gonna want nothing but milkshakes after watching that movie. It is true. And then I have to mention, maybe I did before, but the film Rabbit Proof Fence. You know what? Yeah, you've mentioned it before, and that's a one that I agree. That's an underrated movie. It's underrated, and a quick thing is it's three mixed-race girls. They're torn brutally from their aboriginal mother and sent over a 1,000 miles away to a training camp for domestic workers as part of a government policy to integrate them into white society. Boy, we are really hitting Australia hard with these desert movies, aren't we? Yeah, I guess we really are. Um, but like the camp, their distant home territory is this vast rabbit-proof fence which stretches from one coast to another that eventually helps them find their way home. This is also a book that's called Follow the Rabbit-Proof Fence by Doris Pilkington. And I don't know, if people just don't know, the, I think the most astonishing part of the film comes right at the end because it's printed on the screen is a historical footnote that the policies that are depicted in this movie of taking these children from their parents were enforced by the Australian government until 1970. Yeah, it's children were taken by force um, if they were mixed race and like kind of brought to these schools to become like factory workers or domestic servants. That that sounds familiar. This is more than a century after slavery is abolished in the Western world. I I got a feeling like Australia is a little nervous right now because like with Taika Waititi being like the top director in Hollywood and he loves making movies about Australia and New Zealand and he does not pull punch. I got a feeling he's got a couple. Another film of this subject should definitely be out there because this is I mean they're known as the stolen generation and yeah. the Australian government still actually refuses to apologize for these policies so Australia you disappoint us every once in a you while you disappoint guys. us every once in a while you give us a Hemsworth and then you do stuff like this it's not <laughs> give us equal. so many Hemsworths why, why do you think they keep doing terrible stuff they're like oh we gotta give another Hemsworth <laughs> they're running out of juice though because now they're like well we only got the one for Westworld that's we're running out here alright Jacob always <laughs> finds the sunny side why don't you plug us up so if you you are looking how to get into cloning technology so you can grow yourself a Hemsworth. You know where you can go? Your local library. We have 37 locations all throughout Erie County. Stop on by, say where's our science section. We'll point you right to it. And next thing you know, you'll be growing a Chris in your backyard. <laughs> don't forget to visit our w- website at www.buffalolib.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod and let us know what movies uh, about the desert you are checking out this weekend. Okay, did you know the term desert, meaning a dry place, comes from Middle English, um, the word originally meaning barren or dried up, from the Old French desert pertaining to without inhabitants. Um, and it also has Latin um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, der- dessert. Der- <laughs> I spell that word wrong so ma- so often it's embarrassing. Actually. Never mind. But it means to <laughs> abandon or forsake. So oh, that word works in all of that. the languages. Unfortunately, I actually do know the word. I know what the word is. I just can't remember it either. It's like, it's the- like Desiree, something like that. But anyway, um, do you know that deserts cover more than one-fifth of Earth's land area? And they are found on every single continent. Um, A place that receives less than 10 inches of rain per year is considered a desert. Okay. Um, Despite the common misconception that deserts are always super hot, there are cold deserts as well. The largest hot desert in the world is northern Africa's Sahara. Um, reaches temperatures of up to 122 degrees Pass. during the day. Pass. I was in the Sahara, and luckily at that time, it was not that hot. It was okay. Yeah, it was only 106. <laughs> um, but some deserts are always cold, like the Gobi Desert in Asia and the polar deserts of Antarctica, which people don't think about. It's like the largest desert in the world. Yeah. Because it doesn't get any it, rainfall. Yeah, it fits all the, all the criteria, guys. And last one, Jacob, how many deserts does the United States have? Uh, two million. I have no idea. We actually have four. Oh, um, I, kinda, I was a little bit off there. I thought we had one. I thought the Mojave Desert, which is our smallest and driest desert, um, I thought was the only one. But we also have the Great Basin, um, the Chihuahuan Desert, Sonora, and then the oh. Mojave. Oh, that, that is definitely more deserts than I thought. Hey, it's interesting stuff. Go check out the desert when you can. Just disconnect. It feels good for a minute. Make Pretend sure you, you're on Mars. Make sure you bring some water. Uh, you know, hydrate. Water, sunscreen, and a hat would be great but uh that's all that we have for today thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time Bye.